0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: This is God's Word. And whether it's the exact Word of Jesus, or it's a Word of God that came through the apostles, or it's a Word of God that came through the prophets, or whatever it is, God will speak into our lives. He will speak over our lives. He will speak upon our lives as we open God's Word.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 6, verses 41 through 59, in a message titled, Satiated by the Son of God. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: For convenience sake, the I am's of Christ. Now, we've already considered one of the I am's of Christ. These are places, and these are exclusive to John's gospel. So, so John does this. Part of the purpose of John, you remember, or the, the primary purpose of John in writing this is that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that through believing you might have life in his name. So that's John's objective. He wants us to believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. And so what John does that no other gospel writer does is he, he shares with us these statements that Jesus made where he used this formula, I am. And when Jesus used the formula, I am, he is identifying himself as the God of Israel. Because if you remember or if you don't know and you happen to go back and read your bible in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses encounters God at that burning bush Moses asks this question God he encounters God the Lord says take off your sandals from your feet you're standing on holy ground and the Lord is going to commission Moses to go to Egypt and set the people free and Moses asks this question he says who should i say sent me and the answer that the Lord gave was this, say, I am that I am has sent you. So God identifies himself by this name, I am, which is, it sounds kind of strange, but, what, but the gist of it is that, again, it's that, that sort of life in himself idea, the God who was and is and who is to come. The gist of it is the eternal one. Now, Jesus takes this, I am, and then he says certain things about himself. So we've already seen, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. So so seven times in John's gospel, John gives an I am statement. So I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the or excuse me, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. So those are the seven. With the, the first, uh, I am the bread of life. And we could also add to that, which we will see in our study of the eighth chapter, that there is a point where Jesus just simply says, I am. And the end of the eighth chapter Jesus makes this declaration. Remember, we're talking about no one ever spoke like this man spoke. Jesus makes a declaration. I am. He's saying I am the one who revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. That's how everybody would have understood what he meant when he said I am. Now, so it's here in these I am statements, as I said, that that Jesus is revealing who he is. Now, I don't want to go into, into any real deep detail with these I am statements because we're going to come to each of them and, and look more closely at each of the statements like we already did with the I am the bread of life. But let me just give you a quick overview of what the claim is. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, what is he claiming? He's claiming to be the one who sustains and fulfills all people. That's what he's claiming. When he says that I am the light of the world, he's claiming that he is the one who enlightens us, who brings light into the midst of the darkness, and he's the one who leads us through life. When he says, I am the door, what he's claiming is that he is the one who, through whom we attain access into God's presence. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he's claiming to be the one who watches over and takes care of his people. When he says, I am the resurrection and the life, what is he claiming? He's claiming, I'm the one who has authority over death. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what is he claiming? He is claiming that he is ultimate reality. And then finally, when he says, I am the true vine, what is he claiming? He's claiming to be the one through whom we will live fruitful lives. So these are the kinds of things that Jesus was saying. And just like those soldiers at the time heard these kinds of things, and specifically they heard, come to me all who are thirsty. I mean, we know they heard that one because that happened as they were sent out to arrest him. They heard that one, but they must have heard many other things as well, similar things to what we're talking about, that so affected them that they made this statement, no one's ever spoken like this man. And, and my point is to say that what was true then is still true today. No one's ever spoken the kinds of words of Jesus. But as we sometimes say, well, talk is cheap, right? It's easy to say things. I mean, after all, I could get up here today and say, guess what? I am the resurrection and the life. And you would all quickly usher yourselves out of this room, rightfully so, and say, Brian's lost his mind. So it's easy to, to make claims, but here's the thing about Jesus. He didn't simply make claims. He had evidence to support the claims. So remember, we looked at this already. Remember when Jesus makes the claim, I am the bread of life? What's the context for that? Well, the context is he's taken these five little tiny loaves of bread. Don't think of a loaf of bread like you go and buy at the store. Think of a baguette. Think of a roll. (laughs) When you go to a restaurant, you know, they give you bread beforehand, right? They give you a roll sometime. Okay, so five rolls and a couple of sardines and at least 10,000 people fed, glutted, and an excess 12 baskets of fragments left over. So when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, it's on the tail end of this event. So you see what I'm saying is there's not simply the claim, there's the action to support the claim. And the same is true of his statement, I am the resurrection and the life. Some of you are familiar with this. Maybe some of you don't know. We will get there when we get to the 11th chapter of of this gospel. But what's happening there? Well, a man named Lazarus has died. And he's been in the grave for four days. And Jesus is a friend of the family. And the two remaining siblings, the two sisters, Martha and Mary, they are grief-stricken. They are beside themselves. Jesus, why didn't you come? And why didn't you heal our brother? And Jesus says to them, your brother will live again. And Martha says, oh, well, we know that. We know that that will happen on the last day at the resurrection. And Jesus says, Martha, I am the resurrection. And then Jesus proceeds to call Lazarus out of the grave. And a man who had been four days in the tomb, woke up and came forth from the grave and went on to live his life. And the next time we see Lazarus, he's having dinner with Jesus and his family around a table. Amazing. So again, as we talk about the things that Jesus said, we have to remember that he didn't simply say them. He supported them with Actions. He backed up the statements that he made. And so when we think about the things that Jesus said, I think we can also concur with the soldiers that day that no one ever spoke like this man. No one spoke like him before or since. And personally, I agree with Peter. Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. That's what this really comes down to. And so, like I said, there's, I think there's two applications here. There's one is just the, the bigger general call to all people. John records these words so the gospel of John is what we might call an evangelistic trap. Now, the gospel has certainly come down to the church and was obviously to some degree written for the church. But John tells us that he's, he's writing it to people who don't yet believe so that they will believe and receive life in his name. And so when we think of these words of Jesus, the first application I want to make is that these words go out to all the world. These words go out to every single person. Jesus says to the whole world, he says to every single person, basically, just to super simplify it, Jesus says, I am what you are looking for. I'm what you need. I am ultimate reality, and only in me will you find out what is real and true. That's the message. Come to me. All that are thirsty, come to me and drink. And so again, all of those I am statements, they're given as, as a broad appeal to anyone who will hear. But then secondly, they're certainly given to us, the people of God as well, not just to bring us into the relationship, but then once we come to know Jesus, these words are reminders to us of who he is and of what he intends to do and of what he will do and of the fact that we can continue to hope and trust and feed on these words and be sustained by them and be encouraged and built up. That's the beautiful thing about the Word of God. You know, I've been studying the Bible, teaching the Bible for four decades. That's a long time. I can hardly believe it myself. But I can stand here today and tell you, so it was a long, long time ago that I read the I Am Statements of Christ. When I read the Gospel of John, and I remember then those words resonating and thinking how amazing this is, that this is who Jesus is. But you know what? I still have the same experience today. Not the exact same experience. Sometimes it's one of the statements of Jesus. Sometimes it's, an, it's another of the statements of Jesus. Sometimes it happens just in the, in the midst of my daily reading of scripture that this Word of Jesus will just sort of leap off the page and grab hold of me and remind me of certain things. Other times it's maybe in the midst of some sort of a crisis where God will bring his word at a, at a very specific moment. I think I've told this story, but this is this, this is one of the most in my entire life, this is one of the most significant moments where the Lord just took his word off the page of scripture and applied it to the immediate situation that I was in. And in an instant, brought me peace. And it it was a time where we were going through a crisis in our family. And it was a time when something very, very difficult was happening with uh, one of my children And it was a time where I was just overcome with grief and heartbroken. And and I remember I was actually studying to teach and even feeling as I was studying to teach, like I barely had the strength to to make it through the study and, and then to go teach because I was so weighed down with the grief of it all to the point that I was Weeping. And I'm reading the text that I'm going to teach, and I'm trying to prepare for it. And the passage is in Revelation chapter 5, and it's the heavenly scene. And the question is who can open the scrolls and loose the seals? There's the one sitting on the throne with a scroll in his hand, and so forth. And it says that there was convulsive weeping because no one was found worthy to take the scroll and to loose the seal. But then suddenly there came forth the lamb who had been slain. And the angel says to John, the author, he says, do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And that picture of the future, the heavenly scene that we will all participate in, that picture spoke into my deep grief at that second and set me free. Set me free from the burden of uncertainty. Where is this going to go? And the word was, do not weep. And I, tears were dropping from my face onto my Bible. Do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And it was God's word to me saying, Brian, I will take care of this. Trust me. And he did. And I'm telling you that story because these words of Jesus. And of course, I'm just going to expand it. It doesn't have to be the words of Jesus. This, this is God's word. And whether it's the exact word of Jesus or it's a word of God that came through the apostles or it's a word of God that came through the prophets or whatever it is, God will speak into our lives. He will speak over our lives. He will speak upon our lives as we open God's word, as we gather in a situation like this, as we maybe just daily pick up our Bible and read it, as we, in conversation with Christian friends, and and God knows where we are, and he knows what we need to hear, and he brings us those words, and we just, all we need to do is just lay hold of them, just cherish them, just thank God for them, and receive those words. Those words that no other has spoken that's God's word it's a word that is beyond what any human being can ever offer and sometimes it might be a simple I am the bread of life that's it wow I am the light of the world oh okay I got that I am the resurrection and the life. And we can all imagine scenarios in life where those very words will do for us not just what they did for the soldiers causing us to marvel at them but also to receive the comfort, the strength, the clarity the hope, the peace whatever it is that we need. And what I want us to realize now as we have the opportunity to gather here around the table is that the words, like like I've already said, the words that were spoken then are still spoken today. See, that's the thing about the word of God. The word of God is eternal. It's living. It's powerful. It wasn't just a word for that time, although it was that, obviously, but it's a word for all time. And it's a word for us today. And as we come to the table today, and as we're reminded of the great love of Jesus who said these amazing things, we have this opportunity to let those words speak to us. So some have wondered you know, so what's happening here at the church? You know, now we're we're having these sort of extended times at the end of the service. And why are we doing that? You know, somebody this morning said to me like, wow, I didn't quite know why we were doing what we're doing. Well, here's here's what we're doing. We want to have, you know, outside in the world, it's pretty crazy. Not just crazy in the really crazy sense but, but just crazy busy crazy distractions you know i go out and head home and get into just the routine of life and all of that stuff and and it's hard to to get time to really meditate it's hard to get time to really focus sometimes so what we want to have is at least a few moments where what God is speaking to us from his word as we gather, we're able to just sort of sit with that and we're able to take it in and we're able to receive from the Lord what he has for us to give us the wisdom, to give us the strength, to give us the courage, to give us whatever it is that we need as we go back out In just to the daily experiences of life, we believe that we are the messengers of God. God is speaking through us. And that's not, it might might sound weird. Maybe you're here and you're like, oh no, this is about to get strange. No, the Bible says, The Bible says, if you speak, speak as the oracle of God. Speak as the mouthpiece of God. Peter is talking to believers and calling us to do that. When the Bible tells us that God has given to his church apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for work of the ministry so the body of Christ can be built up, what he's telling us is he's given us people through whom he speaks. And so when I'm here when Charles here, when Jordan's here, when John's here, when whoever is standing in this pulpit bringing this word, we are here with a conviction that God is speaking to you. And he's speaking to us as well. But we want to now take what God has spoken, and before we rush off back into the insanity that is the world we live in, to let that Word begin to to do its work. That's what we're doing. The words of Jesus, the words that no other person has ever said anything like, the living word of the Lord, let it minister to you today. Let it go deep down into your heart today. He didn't just come and talk about things. He came and did what needed to be done to reconcile us to God.
0: For the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Can Science Explain Everything? by Dr. John Lennox. Doesn't science depend on reason, while Christianity does so not upon reason, but faith? So can scientists also believe in God? In his book, Can Science Explain Everything?, Dr. John Lennox answers those very questions and many more that consider the relationship between science and the Christian faith. Our current culture has been engaged in a science and God debate. He is not arguing for the existence of God, but for the compatibility of God and science. Dr. John Lennox addresses many common modern-day misconceptions, not just about God, but even about science itself. If you want to know more about the relationship between God and science, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Conscience Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you, at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John.